Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, for just in case anyone's sitting here thinking, how do I sign up for e-news? I'm not on e-news. If you go onto the website, emmanuel.org.uk, scroll to the bottom, there's a little button uh, that you can click on and then put in your email address and uh, you can get signed up for e-news that way. Right, today I'm going to be talking about Gathered for Victory. So we've been uh, looking over the past few months, uh, a series all about what we're gathered for. And today we're talking about being gathered for victory. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, isn't that a little bit triumphalist? Um, you know, yes, it is. Because this book that I hold in my hand is a book of victory. It has lots of, uh, you know, kind of bits that happen along the way. But this book is a book of victory. And we get to share in that victory that Jesus has won on the cross. That is ours. We are co-heirs with Christ, which means that we get to share the victory. We get to share the reward with him. Okay? So am I being triumphant to this when there's lots of, I can't say that word, when there's lots of issues in the world, cost of living, war in Ukraine, all this, that, and the other? Yes, I am. Because Jesus has won the victory, and we get to share with that, okay? Um, I'm going to start just by reading a little bit from Romans 8. Um, Okay, where is it? (laughs) Just after Acts, thank you. (laughs) Right, I I, I think I might need to get my eyes tested. Um, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and he gave them right standing with himself and he promised them his glory. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God also give us everything we need? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? No. He is the one who has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No, for he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honour next to God, praying for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? Even the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Another translation puts it, we are more than conquerors. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't. The angels can't. The demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky 
or in the deepest ocean. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are victors. That whole passage is talking about how we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are victors. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ did on the cross. Because he first won the victory, we get to share with that victory. Now, when we talk about victory, it's very easy to think, well, victory is all about having a big house, isn't it? Maybe having a successful career. Maybe it's when our kids go on with God and do well in their lives. None of that is what we're talking about when we're talking about victory. Yes, you may get those things, but you might not. That doesn't mean you are not victorious. Because victory is something higher than what we might own or possess or what happens in our lives. Victory is more than that. Okay, And so I think that victory is living beyond fear and living in the promises of God. Now, I have deliberately used the word living beyond fear because as we've read just there, there are times when, yeah, fear might rise up within us, but we can overcome that. We can have the victory over that. We don't necessarily go through our lives without fear full stop, but in Jesus, we can overcome that fear. We have victory over fear. People are talking at the moment, if you look at uh, the front page of the newspapers, you'll see cost of living crisis. And it would be easy to fall into fear and to think, what are we going to do? How are we going to put food on the table? How are we going to heat our homes? What does this say? In Malachi it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and hold back the devourer. We don't have to live in fear. Yes, fear might sometimes rise up, but we don't have to be afraid. If fear rises up, let's push on anyway. Okay, Let's push on because we have the victory through Christ Jesus. Living beyond fear is about overcoming fear. And in living in the promises of God, God has made loads of promises to us, his people. Many of them are written in his word here. Some of them have been given to each of us individually. I have promises over my life and you may have promises over your life that God has spoken into you. If we live in the promises of God and we lay down any thought of, I've got to do this, I've got to provide, I've got to provide, I've got to do, I've got to, I've got to. And if we just lay it down and say, God, I am going to trust in your promises. I'm going to hold fast to the promises that you give me in your word. I'm going to hold fast to the promises that you have placed within my heart. That is victory. That is overcoming. That is being more than a conqueror. So victory requires an attitude of heart. And that's based on faith. And faith says, if God said it, I will believe it. I will live in it and nothing can draw me away from it. Faith is about trusting in God regardless. So yes, according to the papers, there's a cost of living crisis. Faith says, I am going to live according to his word and I will not be afraid. So 
I sometimes have to ask myself the question, who told you that? Now that comes from Genesis 3, when Adam had just uh, eaten from the fruit of the tree, and God's looking for him in the garden, and Adam's hiding. I mean, if you think about that, it's a little bit weird, you know, hiding from God who sees everything. But anyway, you know, he's hiding, and, uh, and, and you know, he says, I, I hid from you because I was naked. And God said, who told you that? There are many, many lies that we could believe that are just not true. And it's easy to take on board these lies and think, I, I can't provide for my family. Or, you know, there's going to be a nuclear war. Or there's going to be this. Or there's going to be that. And we can end up living a life that is lacking the victory that Jesus won for us. Who told you that? And the challenge for me, because I have a bit of a routine in the morning, I get up and as I'm getting ready, I kind of just by natural habit, I have a look at what's happening in the news. So what am I hearing? Who told me that? Am I believing the front page of the newspaper or am I believing the Word of God? Because the Word of God trumps the newspapers. Okay, and that is not a political reference to someone in America. The Word of God trumps (laughs) the front page of the newspapers. We do not need to live in fear. And that's the reason why it's so important for us to gather in person. Because if we are an island, if we are, hence the title, Gathered for Victory. If we are an island, if we are isolated, if we isolate ourselves, or if we allow someone else to become isolated from the community... We can be picked off. Fear can rise up and not realize. We can pick up things from the world around us and not realize. We come together so that we can, we can support one another. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. We can build one another up so that we can live in the victory that is ours by right. I have three other questions that I sometimes ask myself. Am I a victor or a victim? Am I an overcomer? Or an orphan? Am I a prince? Or for some of you, a princess. Or a pauper? A victor, sorry, a victim, um, a victim would take a comment that someone makes and would apply it to themselves and say, I am not worthy. Or they'll take something that's just said and, and apply it to themselves and, and say, you are directing that at me. That was something aimed at me when it might not have been. <laughs> Probably wasn't. But a victim mentality looks at everyone else and says, everyone is against me. We are not to live with a victim mentality. We are victors. Okay? An orphan will look at what is happening in the world and will say, I cannot provide for my family. Or I cannot give. Or, I do not have the time. I do not have. Being an orphan is all about the I do not. An overcomer says, yeah, my pocket might be empty, or nearly empty, but I'm going to give anyway. I've seen a need, I'm going to meet that need. I've seen a person who's struggling, I'm going to go out my way and help them, even though it costs me. An orphan would say, I do not, whereas an overcomer says, I do. A pauper 
Again, very similar. A pauper would say, I have nothing. I have no value. But if you are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God, and that's who we are, if we are co-heirs with Christ, if we are children of God, just think about it. If we're children of the king of kings, not just the king, if we're children of the king of kings, we are princes and princesses in the kingdom. Just think about what that allows you. Just think about what that means in your life. If you're a prince or a princess in the kingdom, will God really let you starve? Will God really let you suffer? Hardships come. Yes, we read that in here. But we can rise above it through Jesus. So you you don't have to worry about uh, feeling, I have nothing, or people are against me, or I have no value. Because they are lies. You are so much more. I am so much more than that. So, take a moment just to think, ask yourself, am I living in any of those red words that I should be living in the blue? Now, let's just take a very quick moment uh, to look at the greatest victory of them all. Now, I realise it's a Sunday, so if I were to say to you, who won the greatest victory of all? You're going to say Jesus, because the answer to every question is Jesus on a Sunday. And that would be true. Jesus won the greatest victory of all. Okay? So let's just have a little look at this. Now, I am using a little bit of artistic licence. Okay, some of, it's all the statements that I'm making are backed up by scripture, but I am going to use a little bit of artistic license here just to, uh, just to make a point. But we know from the Bible that Jesus lived a life without sin. He came, he was born in, in Bethlehem of a virgin, he grew up, he walked, he healed the sick, he, um, uh, proclaimed freedom for the captives. You know, when, when, uh, John the Baptist sent a messenger to him and said, are you the one who was, who was said to be coming? He said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Jesus lived a life without sin, but he also lived a life of power. He lived a life of victory over the things that would come against him. He went to the cross and was crucified. And we see that in all four Gospels and in loads of other parts in the Bible. Okay, So he went to the cross and he was crucified. Then, now the timing might be a little bit, he died. He descended to the enemy's camp. We see that in Ephesians 4. Now, I have this picture, this mental picture. So, you know, let's just put one thing straight. So Satan doesn't have the same powers as God, okay? He, you know, we're talking an ant to, you know, nuclear bombers to say in the Freedom in Christ stuff. So Satan doesn't have the same powers as God, okay? So he didn't know what was going to happen. He knew something was going to happen because Jesus, the Son of God, was walking on earth. But he didn't actually know what was going to happen. And it says that Satan filled Judas Iscariot and Judas decided to betray Jesus. So I can just see it now in the, uh, in the enemy camp. All the, you know, all these demons and Satan, they're all having this party. We killed the Son of God. He didn't get to rise up and do this amazing thing and bring the whole nation of Israel, back to God. He didn't get to do what was prophesied about him. So they're having this party. Because Jesus has been crucified and he's now laid in a tomb, cold. And then, just in the corner of the room, I see this 
bright light start to appear. And suddenly Jesus is standing in their midst. And the, 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 the demons that are nearby, they start to cower away because they cannot look at this light that has appeared in their midst. And then Satan starts to tremble because he suddenly has come to realize what it meant when God said, yeah, you shall strike his heel, but he will crush your head. Thank you. Not content with just going and appearing there, we see in 1 Peter 3 that he also preached a sermon. Now, it's a little bit unclear as to who he's preaching to. Was it to uh, the, the people who had lived before his time? Was it the people of, in Noah's day? Or was it actually demons that were, you know, he's, but basically it says in 1 Peter he preached a sermon. Okay? Now, you know, I don't, I don't think he's just kind of like saying, you know, he's declaring the truth. He is saying, Satan, you have been defeated. All of you guys, the demons around, you have been defeated. The earth is mine. The kingdom is mine. I have taken back all authority that Adam may have given to you all those many centuries before. I am the victor. I am now going to rise and I am going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And your time is coming to an end. And so he gives this sermon, and then he ascends into heaven, leading a train of people behind, a train of saints behind. And as he ascends into heaven, he enters the throne room of the Father, and he sits down at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he starts to rule. And he has ruled ever since. And he prays for you and for me. So when you're sitting there in a time of difficulty, you can rest assured that not only might you be praying, not only might we or other friends that you have be praying, Jesus is also interceding on your behalf. The greatest victory of all was won by Jesus. But you know what? It doesn't end there because we are co-heirs with Christ, which is amazing. So what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Now, Emma Stark, who's up in Glasgow, she does Glasgow Prophetic, she uses uh, <coughs> this analogy. She says, Andy Murray was a conqueror. Okay, He won loads of tennis matches. Um, he beat the best in the world at the time. Uh, it could be argued that he beat the greatest of all time. He was number one in the world as a tennis player for a period of time. He was a conqueror. Kim, his wife, is more than a conqueror because she didn't have to play all those tennis games. She didn't have to do all of the uh, training and all of the hard work that goes with um, you know, Andy Murray being the conqueror. She just gets to spend the winnings. That's you and me. Jesus won the victory. Jesus did the work. We get to enjoy the reward that is his because he has shared that with us. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. So how do we live in victory? I think there are several things that we can bear in mind here when we're thinking about living in victory. And the first one is to be people of word and spirit. Now, it's easy at times to think, uh, well, you know, we're, I'm, I'm someone of the word. 
you know, I'm, I'm more down here. I'm, I'm someone who's, who's, who's the word. I, I don't really get to operate in spiritual gifts. And other people might say, well, I, I'm, I've got, you know, I'm operating in spiritual gifts. But, you know, I, I struggle in understanding the word a little bit. So do we live here, right in the middle? Because that feels a little bit like compromise to me, to be in the middle. You know, church in Laodicea in Revelation, you're sitting on the fence, I'm going to spit you out and all that sort of thing. Um, speaking from my perspective, I'm kind of a little bit more, I struggle at times with, with kind of, you know, studying the Bible. I do find that quite difficult at times. Whereas, you know, time of worship and, you know, praying and, you know, speaking prophecy and that's that, 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 these things are all developing, okay? So we've got to be a people of word and spirit. So let's not think of this as a spectrum. But if we throw into the mix our identity as well, and uh, in, 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 in my business when I'm doing training and things like that, I love a good quadrant graph. It's really nice, okay? If we stick identity in here as well, and I've preached on this before about do we have the right self-identity, if we want victory, we need to have a positive view of ourselves. We need to see ourselves as Jesus sees us. We need to have nothing in our head that isn't in his head about us. So if we're sitting there thinking, I'm not worthy, Jesus isn't saying, oh, you're not worthy. Jesus isn't saying, Keith, you're not worthy. So why do I think it? You know, what's that about? So, you know, we need to live with a positive identity. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. So how does this work then? Where should we be if we're going to be living in victory? Well, I think the picture should be like this. We need to be 100% devoted to the Word of God to meditating on it, to um, taking it on board, to dwelling on it, to thinking about it, to living it, to be speaking it. But we also need to be 100% devoted to operating in the spiritual gifts that God has given us through his Holy Spirit. That is the place of victory. It's not a compromise. It's not, well, I'll do a bit of this and a bit of that. I'm going to do all of the Word. I'm going to do all of the Spirit. I'm going to have a positive attitude about myself. In that place is the place of authority and power. That is the place of victory. So can I encourage you, devote yourself to the reading of the Word. Devote yourself to operating in spiritual gifts. For the guys going off to Bulgaria, you will speak. I'm just going to move out of the way because the folks are being taken. Um, <laughs> you will speak to people over your time away and you will bring the word of God to them. Right? Someone might say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And you'll say, yeah, but the Bible says this. You get to be able to do that. You get to bring the word of God to people when you're in Bulgaria on your mission trip. But you also get to prophesy over them. You might get a tongue rise up within you that just happens to be, now I did ask this question last week, an Ottoman Turk language or is it a Milot Turk language? Millet, a Millet Turk language. You might get a tongue rise up within you that you have no idea what it means. And yet it might be the local spoken language of the person you're speaking to. Wouldn't that be amazing if you just start speaking in tongues and as you're talking to them because something rises up within you and they say, you're speaking my language. You're telling me about me. You're telling me about God loving me. Wouldn't that be amazing? That is perfectly feasible. In God... 
that is perfectly feasible. So let's be people of word and spirit and let's make sure we have that positive identity as well. Right. Cool, I did a whole page there without looking at Right, so what can prevent us from, uh, from stepping into victory? I've identified for me three things that can prevent us from stepping into victory. The first one, fear and insecurity. Now, I've mentioned this already. Fear and insecurity, these can separate us from the victory that Jesus has won for us. These can prevent us from living the life of victory. Okay? If we have any fear within us, then, uh, you know, we need to overcome that. We need to say, okay, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I'm going to overcome it anyway, right? So for, for a long time, I had a little bit of a fear of, uh, of, of man, okay? So outside. And, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I was in school, um, although I used to use the phrase, well, you know, you can't fosterize in schools and that sort of thing. Actually, my, my t- at times reluctance to pray for people in school, my sometimes reluctance to bring the word of God to people wasn't because of that. It was because I was afraid. What if they reject me? What if they tell me you're a loon? What if they say to me you're mad? What if they say to me you shouldn't be speaking that, you're going to lose your job? Well, you know, I was afraid. And so, and I didn't step out in the way that God wanted me to. So I made, <laughs> I made one of those little vows to God about six months ago. I said, God, I'm not going to turn my back on anything that you prompt me to do now. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because you know he's going to prompt you to do something. I mean, goodness me, what a silly thing to say. Um, so anyway, I'm, a couple of weeks ago, I'm in, I'm in a school, I'm doing a teacher assessment, and I'm in this school for three consecutive days doing three different teacher assessments. And uh, I see this guy walking out, and he's got this massive leg brace on. And I feel that nudge, you know, that nudge. Now, I would have just ignored that in the past because I was a bit afraid. And to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, what if he took offense? What if he turned around and went into the school and said to the head, this guy's just tried blah, 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 blah. I might not be invited back. And, well, that's income. That's, that puts food on the table. Although God puts food on the table, I just you know, work to keep myself busy. Um, but uh, so anyway, I went up to him and I said, uh, "What have you done?" And he said, "Oh, I was doing weights in the gym. I was uh, doing squats." And I said, "Well, what were you lifting?" He said, "200 kilograms." I'm thinking, "Goodness me! No wonder your leg popped." Um, well, anyway, so he told me all that happened, and so I said to him, "I said, well, look, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you?" Heart's going like this, and uh, he said, "Well, I'm a Muslim." But yes, you can pray for me anyway. So I prayed for him in Jesus' name that his knee would be healed. Now, when I saw him the next day, I thought he was moving better. And when I asked him, he said, yeah, it feels a little better, you know. But he was still had the brace on. So there's still a work to do there. But for me, I stepped out. And that was something that, you know, is quite recent. I mean, you know, we're not perfect. But we do it. We step out. Do not let fear and insecurity prevent you from stepping out when God is giving you that nudge. Okay, um, so let me give you an example, right? We've, uh, we, we hear about this cost of living crisis. So if I were to say, right, today we're going to take a special offering for the Emmanuel Centre, would the first thought be, yay, or would it be, ooh, cost of living crisis, prices are going up, pay nearly £2 a litre for petrol, I mean, what's that about? Um, you know, so, you know, we, we've got to be careful. Let's not let fear prevent us from stepping into the victory that is God's, okay? 
So I mentioned a few minutes ago about, uh, about Emma Stark and her Andy Murray analogy. She runs a prophetic course in, uh, uh, in, in Glasgow, in Scotland, and it lasts all year. And Sally's like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to do this, I want to do this course. Can I do this course? Come on, I want to do this course. Yeah, grow for it, right? So when the applications come open, Sally's going to sign up for doing this course. I've got no doubt she's going to be on this course. We're going up to Glasgow, blah, blah, blah. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's unrealistic for us as a family to do that because it is quite expensive. But we are more than conquerors. Am I going to let fear, are we going to let fear prevent Sally from stepping into something? No, we're not. Because God says, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and hold back the devourer. Let's step out. Let's not let fear hold you back. The second one is sin. If we have sin, now we are not sinners. I want to make this absolutely clear. If you are born again, your identity, your nature has changed. You are no longer a sinner. And I've said this before and I've talked about, you know, sometimes it's easy even in our songs to sing, oh, I'm a sinful man and so on. No, you're not. You are holy people. You are righteous. You are justified. But you sometimes sin. I sometimes sin. As Sally will testify, I sometimes sin. Every now and again. Once, once in a while, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> so if we have sin in our life and we have not repented of that sin, then that will prevent us from living in victory. So my encouragement to you and to me, keep a short account with God. You know, if we do something wrong, okay, we've done something wrong. Repent. And believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven us for that. Okay? Keep a short account with God. But you are not sinners. If you're born again, you are not sinners. You are holy people who occasionally sin. Okay? So if we're living with unrepentant sin, that will take us out of the place of victory. uh, Until we repent, do business with God, and then we can step back into that place of victory. Uh, if we're feeling guilty about our sin after we've repented, and you know what that's like, you know, you, you do something wrong, oh, you know, sorry, Lord, I've, I've messed up, you know. And then for the rest of the day, which is which sometimes, you know, that's a bit like, you know, oh, rest of the day, oh, I've done this, oh, no, no. Um, it takes us out of the place of victory. So we repent, we believe, and then we step back into that place of victory again. It is an attitude of heart and an attitude of mind. The third one is apathy, okay? So what will take us out of the place of victory is saying, what's the rush? Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. It doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. But we don't know the time of Jesus' return. Luke 12 talks about our need to be ready, waiting for the master to return. We should have an attitude. I'm going to live in the now. I'm going to make this moment count. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to focus on making this moment count for Jesus. I'm going to live in the victory now. Okay? So therefore, if there's a gathering to pray, let's pray. Let's gather. Let's all come together. If there is a worship time, let's be the people who come together, all of us, to worship the King, the one who died, who rose again, who made us co-heirs, who gave us that place of victory. 
If there is an offering, let's give an abundance. If there is someone saying, I need help, let's be the first people there to say, we will come and help. Let's live in the now. Let's not be apathetic. Let's not say, oh, tomorrow will do. Let's not say, oh, I'm too tired to go to that worship night. Or I'm too tired to go to the prayer meeting. Let's be there because that is going to take us into the place of victory. If we are apathetic... We are stepping out of the place of victory. My final comment before we, uh, before we go back into time of worship. Let's remove the phrase, that's not realistic from our vocabulary. Was it realistic when the disciples handed round a few loaves and fish to see thousands get fed? No. The realistic response would have been, oh, tell them to go to the village. And get something to eat. Was it realistic when Peter said, I'm going to step out of the boat? Was it realistic? No, it wasn't. We have the advantage that we get to see and hear all the challenges that they faced. And they all came to a place of victory. We can come to a place of victory. Yes, there may be challenges. There will be challenges. But we can overcome those challenges and live in the place of victory despite those challenges. Now, I'm not talking here about just being living in denial. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. He didn't say the mountain's not there. He said, speak to the mountain and it will be thrown into the sea. If you're facing challenges, speak to those challenges. See what God does. Because you are victors. I am a victor. So... Let's not be realistic. Let's be supernatural. Let's be more than conquerors. Let's be victors. Because when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. Thank you. I'm going to invite the band to come back. Uh, where's Will? Will had a word. Will, it... Will, do you want to share your... Does it fit? <laughs> So if the band can just come out whilst, whilst Will's coming out. Yeah, just, I just felt earlier on um, this verse says... In a favorable time I listened to you, in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I just feel God's really speaking to some people who've got your minds are locked up and you feel like I almost haven't got control of my thoughts and my thoughts are dragging me away and that's uh, so that happens to all of us. But I just feel God saying to you, you know, I've, I've released you through the victory that, that Jesus won. I've already put inside you the freedom from those thoughts. You are not a slave to your thoughts. You're not a slave to being dragged down any particular way. But I've, I've released you. And even now, right now, you can start saying, I don't receive those thoughts. Um, those aren't the real me. Those aren't, those aren't what's coming from God. They're not coming from my reborn spirit. But I've got, a, I've got a new way of thinking. And I can enter into a new way of thinking. Almost as a choice. And there's just a, a being still 
and almost like seeing the thoughts and seeing and recognizing that they're the reality of what's going on and then saying, actually, those thoughts don't have a hold on me anymore. And I can choose what I think. I've got a freedom in my thoughts to think about the things that God's called me to and not the things that the world or the enemy or even my flesh would drag me into. So if I just really want to speak that over my own mind, but over each one of us here, Lord, that thank you, Lord, that you've set us free. Thank you that you've given us the mind of Christ. Thank you that, uh, yeah, our minds are being renewed as we, as we gaze on you, as we focus on you, who you are, not on who we used to be. And yeah, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you've set our minds to think, to think about things that are lovely, pure, noble, right, and true. And Lord, that, yeah, that freedom's not just for tomorrow and not just a process, but Lord, we just receive what Jesus has done moment by moment and walk into freedom. Thank you, Jesus. So just as the band start to play, just take a moment to reflect and do business with God. And let's all decide to live in the victory that he has won for us.